listeners, this is Marcia Epstein in Lawrence, Kansas, and this is Talk With Me, where almost always the people I'm talking with are people who are involved with some kinds of arts. Sometimes it's written arts, sometimes it's things like painting, sometimes it's acting, sometimes it's dancing, sometimes it's photography, sometimes it's, you know, all those different arts. And again, I include the written arts, but that's a whole other conversation. It is a most beautiful spring day on March 12th, which is lovely for us. Beautiful, beautiful, and it'll be cold on the weekend. That's what's going on this spring in Kansas. Oh, well. Speaking of weekends, you know, a lot of cool things happen during the week and on weekends in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, most of what I've been talking about this month has been that this is USA's National Poetry Month. April always is. And April 26th is Poem in Your Pocket Day. So think about picking out a favorite poem to share. I have a favorite poem. Um, and it is from my dear friend, Annette Billings. And so I'm going to encourage you to do that. Um, arts are amazing in connecting people, poetry and other arts. And that's, that's why this show has evolved in this direction. So today I have two people who are involved with theater. And not just any kind of theater, but the particular performance that, that is coming up that they're involved with is one that really resonates for me with the personal side of art, getting people both having fun and also maybe thinking about things a little differently. So I am happy to welcome Lucy Kuski and Sarah Von Swall, who are involved with KU's University Theater and Spring Awakening, which is coming up very, very soon. So welcome. Thank you. I want to hear all about this. So I want, you know, I, I want you guys to be able to say some about yourselves and about the play, kind of go back. But this question about the play, I, I want to just start with, because when I was reading little bits about it, I thought it was a typo, because I see this play from 1891. And I'm thinking, what? So, so that to me brought up that whole thing about art and the context, you know, what was it like when this was created? What is it like in 2018? And because I had the opportunity to do a show with one of your colleagues, David Roos Fisher, I know a little bit about the process of how the performances are selected. You know, that, it, that there's this group effort and, and choosing things really strategically for different kinds of things to happen through that theater. So I'm really interested in you guys telling us a little bit about Spring Awakening. So I don't know who wants to start, but 1891, what's up with that? <laughs> um, so the Vatican Spring Awakening, the and original Lucy. play, I'm Lucy. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm the assistant director for the show, so I'm also in charge of filling in the dramaturgical gaps. Okay. Since we about dramaturgs of David. Okay. Um, so the original Vedic introduction in 1891 uh -huh. was responding to kind of cultural moment in German history, where all of there was kind of an academic of young people, an academic, an epidemic of young people committing suicide because of difficult test scores, and it was a cultural situation in which adulthood wasn't inferred upon people until graduation of school, which left all these young people with a long time where they had all of these adult feelings and problems and no way to deal with them, uh -huh. which sounds really familiar for a lot of young people who are <laughs> listeners, I think. Yeah. So that's what it was started for, kind of in response to that. Time. Yes. Interesting. And we talk a lot about how, like, for us growing up, we have the internet and magazines and TV that we're allowed to, you know, watch. And we're learning a lot more about sex, drugs, alcohol, um, queer, all, all of the things that they had no exposure to. So growing up for us, it was a little bit easier and at least that we knew things. So it's just, it, it's very different to like put yourself back then and be like, so what would happen if I didn't have the internet to just be like, what is sex, you know? So uh -huh. it's all about like in the moment trying to figure out what they would be feeling in that exact time. So with you all in 2018 doing this performance, would anybody know there was anything about this related to 1891? 
terms of the look of the play, the music, the dance, the different things that are part of it? I think the convention of the production is that the book scenes, so the non-musical scenes, um, are firmly within the 1891 context. And then because the music is pop, pop rock, pop punk, it kind of blurs the lines of exactly when in time that's happening stylistically. Uh-huh. But yeah, I think as far as costumes and physical exactly. carriage and things like that, we're keeping it very much in its original context as Slater and Sheik intended. Okay. Yeah. I think that's why I love it so much because it blends our time and that time. I think it's so much more relatable to anyone watching it. Uh huh. Very interesting. Because when it was Lisa uh, who had told me about this performance, Lisa Copeland, and and I had assumed, just based on a little bit she was saying, that it was very contemporary. And so again, that's why when when I'm reading this 1891, what? <laughs> Because it's all these themes that, that, you know, of course, I know those, those experiences existed throughout humanity. But to know that this was actually written then, to me, was really interesting. So tell us just a little bit about what the story is. You know, if, if people are coming there, what's a little bit about what, what happened? Whew. There's so many uh, yeah. subplots and plots, but um, basically it's about teenagers, 14, 15-year-olds in Germany in the 1800s, um, about the problems that they face at home and at school and how they learn to deal with them. So a lot of these are about violence, sexual experiences, um, just overall confusion and questions about growing up. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know how much more I'm supposed to give away well, here. <laughs> a lot, but but you, you, you um, Lucy, already said that the music is contemporary. I'm I was thrilled I to see that Michelle Hefner Hayes is choreographing. Yeah. So here you have this person who's in charge of dance school at. at KU, who's somebody that I've known for a long time, and I thought, okay, so you've got dance, and so there's dance, there's music, and the performers, and those are mostly students as well, is that right? Is there, or is it all students? I don't even know. Um, it's all students and one staff member, one of our lecturers, is in the show as well, Janice uh-huh. Craft. Okay, so you have dancing, you have music, you have scenes that are performed that are so what I might say is seems like traditional theater in that sense. So mix of things, costuming from Germany from the late 1800s. Very interesting. And and lots of themes that are themes, you know, I think for me, I've been so conscious of what kinds of things are people saying publicly since the campaigning and the election and this dilemma of is it any worse when people are very public about their hatred versus that hatred being more hidden their opportunities make change you know so so I think I think about a lot of things in terms of what is the context of right now and so I think this is a, a, a really cool opportunity for people to come and experience an art event and then leave with some thoughts about, and so what does that mean to me today? You know, that to me is like the powerful part, yeah. you know. What do, what does it mean? How do I treat people? You know, how do how how am I identified and how does that affect how people treat me? There are you know, all these issues that yeah. are out there. And and I think a lot of people aren't going to learn because they hear data about things, but they're going to learn through stories, you know, so they, they watch this play and they think about the experiences of those characters and it's a whole different level of meaning to them, mm-hmm. which is to me so beautiful. And like we can sneak up on people. They think they're just going to have fun, but they might have <laughs> learned something too. Got them. <laughs> <laughs> so I know I want to just mention to people, you know, of course, you can go online to Cave Theater and Spring Awakening, and you'll find the information. So you can buy tickets. Um, and the performances are starting really soon, the weekend of April 20th and the weekend of April 27th. 
um, there are evening performances and then there are matinees on the Sundays. And it's in um, Murphy Hall, which some people might know, it's close to Allen Fieldhouse. <laughs> that kind of stuff is on the KU campus. There's a big parking lot over there, no problem. <laughs> yes, bring your friends, bring your friends, friends. <laughs> so it's a very cool thing to experience. So again, you know, people can can readily find that information and get tickets and have a blast. And so I want to I want to go back. I said, you know, we'll go back and forth. But so so you as this person involved from the behind the scenes side, mm-hmm. what is it that drew you to this play? What gets you excited about? I'm part of this particular production. Yeah, um, I'm a musical theater scholar. So I study musicals and I specifically study queer and feminist musical theater. All right. So. Part of my interest in this specific project are the ways in which it offers access to a female-driven story and to queer characters in a way in which neither femininity nor queerness is necessarily a plot point. It's part of their lived experience, and it's part of what makes their lives difficult uh-huh. because of the way society is structured. Uh-huh. But it's just kind of who they are. Uh-huh. Um, I also... I was 16 when the show opened on Broadway. So when I was 17, I spent a lot of time driving around in my car singing the show. (laughs) And Uh now that I'm in a position where I'm mentoring people who are that age, Uh I have a very different relationship to it. Uh So it's been really fun to get to kind of revisit and remember. Yeah. So even in your own experience, (laughs) looking at what it meant to you at 17 and now when you're in a different role, that's, that's really interesting. So you get those different contextual experiences yourself. Yeah, my sister's yeah. 17. So uh-huh. like I remember listening to this and identifying with everything and being like, yeah, adults don't know anything. Uh-huh. <laughs> and of course I have these conversations with her now and don't say it, but think, oh my goodness, she doesn't know anything. <laughs> it is it's, it's a reminder that we have to trust young people because yeah. we think things are too adult for them. The, the, the world is adult. And yeah. they're participating in it, whether we want them to or not. Yeah, I mean, it's like you were saying, Sarah, that that exposure and that access mm-hmm. is so different. I mean, I think it's, it's sort of exponentially is, uh, you know, year after year and all the different things with technology. You know, obviously the Internet per se was a huge thing, but then all kinds of different social media and these different things that, you know, now people are using this, but how younger people are using this and mm-hmm. you know the kinds of interactions that happen online that don't necessarily even get talked about in person you know there's there's so much difference happening all the time so what got you specialized in what you were pursuing your studies in you know how did you decide this is like like it's pretty specific i mean to me like musical theater would be specific and then it's like feminist and queer so how did how did all that come together for you like this is what i know my plan. Sure. So um, I grew up as a queer person in the Bible Belt um, and went to, I have a BFA in acting and directing, but we also had a BFA musical theater program at my undergrad university. Um, so I was around that and participated in that. And I have a collection of like what my friends like to affectionately call terrible gay musicals. <laughs> um, so I collect them because I enjoy them and because I was searching for representation everywhere I could find it. Uh-huh. Um, and as I started thinking about the ways in which the academy and scholarship offers chances for kind of speaking back to what we consider our canon and speaking back to the kinds of theater we think is worth producing, uh-huh. it became really important to me to use my scholarship as a site of activism for encouraging the production uh-huh. of places where kids like the kid I was could see themselves. Yes, yes, yes. And when you when you make that bridge to kids again, I think about an article that I don't remember what one of the various email newsletters and such that, that I get it came from, but, but it was specifically speaking to the power of theater teachers, like in high school, and the power that they have, the benefit, the, the power to be positive in the life of youth who maybe don't have a lot of positive that they get involved. You know, and, and I was I was talking to a, a poet um, yesterday, Matt Spezia, who it, for him it was forensics in high school that that teacher was the one, but but where youth get this chance to connect with a group of other students and a caring and often also like challenging you to grow person a teacher who becomes such 
literally a lifesaver mm -hmm. because if I didn't have that safe space of being able to get to go to the theater group, the forensics group, the, you know, whatever it is, I don't know what I'd be doing sitting in my room alone, but I might be doing something really unhealthy and dangerous, you know, maybe that's fuels my thoughts of suicide. So yeah. those kinds of things, because nobody's like me. I don't see that, you know? Yeah. And, and for me, as somebody who has light skin and I am heterosexual, you know, I've, I've had that opportunity to really realize and try to promote awareness of people who are not like me, to be aware that when my, one of my close friends, Lisa, who's lesbian, you know, when she's looking for something to read or watch, she wants to see naturally in those stories people who are lesbian, not just like this lesbian token character mm -hmm. or this whole thing is about this person's being yeah. lesbian. You know, in my counseling practice, I think one of the reasons that, well, I know one of the reasons that some people come to me is because I have this reputation of being, being open and respectful with people. And so, you know, if somebody identifies as trans or whatever, lesbian, you know, and I, gender identity, I'm not saying gender identity and sexual orientation are the same things, but I'm sort of putting that loosely in this not privileged position. You know, people, you know, I don't assume that that's the problem, <laughs> you know, and in my work in suicide prevention, I'm, I'm one of those broken records about when we hear about people having higher rates of suicide attempts, and there are people who are people in minority in terms of gender and, or sexual orientation, it's not because there's something wrong with them. It's because there's a lot wrong with the way people treat each other, yeah. you know? And we have to get, we have to understand that part because otherwise it becomes this disparaging thing. Well, well, those people, you know, there's something wrong. No, 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 no. Anybody who's mistreated, whose messages from around the culture are negative, is going to be at risk for, for you know, suicide, for self-harm, for substance abuse, for whatever thing they do to kind of buffer everything negative. And so that gets me back to why I love the fact of art that like, okay, we are all, all different experiences, you know? We aren't the same. Um, but we can sure learn and support each other. So yeah, that's that's really important to me too, and for different reasons than for you. Yeah. How about for you? What did you like about what like helped you say I want to be part of this play? Ooh, I ooh words okay. Um, <laughs> I did grow up in the you know suburban life, um, very Catholic. Um, and I always wanted to do a show that would push my limits as not only a person, but an actor. And after reading Spring Awakening, I knew that this would be one of those shows that would help me grow. Because growing up, it wasn't a lot of talk about being gay or lesbian or sex. You know, it was always no sex, no sex. <laughs> No sex. <laughs> and if you watch the show, there's definitely sex. So. <laughs> and so I just thought it would be nice for me to be able to go on stage and tell a story that maybe I would have wanted to know about when I was that age. Uh -huh. So I remember, uh, maybe this is GMI, but my first time, um, he didn't finish, but I remember I didn't know anything about sex or anything really and I didn't even know like what was happening which is very relatable to my character Vendel in the show but I remember talking to my friends the next day being like do I have to buy like plan b or something am I pregnant but I was just the only one who didn't know that you need um semen to get pregnant and that didn't happen so it was just like I just wish that I had been exposed more to and it's not even that I had this like need to go out and try things, but maybe just to know. And I, Vendla is always trying to know. She's asking questions to everybody. She wants to know so much about the world and it's just not happening for her. Nobody wants to talk to her about it. They don't want to talk to any of the kids. And so I felt this was really important for me to go out and do. Mm -hmm. 
What kinds of other performances have you chosen that might also be things that you thought this is going to be something really exciting, a great opportunity for me? Um, actually, here I did Little Woman when um, I was Joe March. And I think that will always be a role that is so close to my heart. Um, it was right when I, uh, I was in graphic design here first because I do love art and I've always been involved in the arts world. Um, but it wasn't exactly encouraged to be a theater major or really because what can you do with that? Huh? So <laughs> I started in graphics and I remember sitting in class about typography, which is like all the letters and stuff that you see around. And they're like, you can make the typography for film screens. And I was like, wait, I think I'd rather be in the film. <laughs> and so I like looked up what was going on in the theater world. And I was like, this week are auditions for the musical. Yeah, I'm a psycho. And so I text my mom. I was like, hey, I'm going to audition for the musical. And if it goes well, I'm probably going to switch. And she's like, what? <laughs> and she's like, and so I remember going to auditions. And my mom was like, okay, don't don't be sad if you don't get called back. Like, no one knows you here. Like, it's probably like a little bit of a hierarchy. People have been there. And like, God bless the, we had a guest director come in, Amy Corcoran, who is now my favorite mentor that. I've ever had and she picked me and that was the luckiest thing I've ever had but Joe is all about finding her own way in life and I was like oh my god that's happening to me right now <laughs> and so it was she she's this independent feisty funny woman who wants to go out and do things that everyone says no you can't do that no don't do that and she's like no, I'm going to do it. And she does. And I felt like, wow, this is exactly me right now. And I ended up switching my major. I ended up spending a year in New York studying musical theater there. And now everyone's like, oh, she can do it. But it just felt so right in that moment that I was experiencing what my character was experiencing. And it felt like I could cry every time on stage because still in that moment, I was still figuring it out. And, you know, her big song, Astonishing, when she was like, I'll find my way. And I'll be astonishing. And I was like, I will find my way and I will be so great. You know, it was just, I, that will always be, you know, my, That's my role. So how recent was this that you made that, that dedication As, to theater? Uh, second semester, sophomore year. Uh-huh. Kind of, well, halfway through. Uh-huh. <laughs> A little bit late. <laughs> but, you know, better late than never. <laughs> So what do you see happening next for you? Like, what, I don't know what your academic program is. Yeah. Experience plans. Um, I am, I'm, I'll be graduating next semester. Um, <laughs> what do I want to do? Um, <laughs> Are you graduating at the bachelor's level or master's level? I don't know. No, I'm an undergraduate right now. Um, I, the year, I spent, as I said, a year studying in New York uh-huh. at the American Musical Theater Academy. Um, it put me a little bit behind my credits here, but I wanted to come back and, you know, finish with all my friends and near my family. Um, my dad's a Marine and hasn't been around a lot, but he recently retired. So it was like our whole family kind of got to be together. So uh-huh. I wanted to come home. Um, so after this, I don't know. <laughs> I want to do it all. I'm recently <laughs> getting into like film acting too. And so, I don't know, eventually I hope to move to a city, L.A., Chicago, New York, and see what I can get into. Because uh-huh. <laughs> I, I don't have a specific plan because I want to do all the plans. Uh-huh. And I know that's probably not a good plan. It's the plan. <laughs> but it's worked for you so far. Yeah, winging it. <laughs> but I mean, seriously, you were open to this thing that you were drawn to, yeah. and you were open to the experience of New York for a year, and so exciting yeah, stuff yeah. it's been it's been good i'm very lucky yeah it's it's that somehow to me stereotype breaking that you have described in terms of your family mm-hmm. that here you you know you talked about growing up very catholic and you know, yeah about certain things and then you know obviously there's deep love within your family oh yeah and support for you making this change right nobody quite knows what it means but Makes you happy. Yeah, they're they're all for it now. It was a little bit rough in the beginning, but um, we are we are such a close family, uh-huh. and you know I'm I'm very happy with the way I grew up. It wasn't normal. Like <laughs> it was, I 
I was a military kid, you know, it was just me, my mom, and my sister, and they are my best friends. Uh-huh. They are my best friends, and we're all very close, but my sister is so, like, shy and reserved, and my mom is the best, but I just, we didn't really talk about that stuff growing up, but I mean, I don't blame her for that, like, I, she just wanted the best for me, so do I wish that I would have known more? Yeah, but, like, I don't, I'm not upset about it. I understand where it comes from. It comes from love. Uh-huh. And I think that's very true in Vendel's mom's character. It's all from love. And it might seem harsh um, in the show because you, you're, I feel like you're such on the side of Vendla mm-hmm. that you're like, just tell her, just help her out. And it's, <laughs> it's just, all, it all comes from love. Uh-huh. That's very yeah. yeah. Where are you headed? You know, you're you're doing your program and you're doing this directing and what 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 do you see happening for you? Um, so I have two more years left here. I would love to end up teaching at a liberal arts school in a smaller town. Uh-huh. Um, I went to undergrad at Western Kentucky University in Bowling Green, uh-huh. which was a college town. So I would love to end up somewhere like that where I can be in a department where I can teach acting in theater history and direct uh-huh. and be involved in the theater and the community and things uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. So that's, that's the hope. And I'm trying to kind of get my ducks in a row. I'm directing our first main stage production next year. So trying to build that resume. All right. And teaching and teaching, do you get opportunities to actually be involved with productions or is it mostly mentoring? I don't know. Um, at most university theater programs, you're expected to teach classes and then also direct. Oh, okay. If you're somebody who's kind of an artist scholar, which uh-huh. is what KU produces at uh-huh. the graduate level. Uh-huh. So most programs either have you direct once or twice a year. Nice. Lucy's so great. So great to work with. She's makes sure everyone is very comfortable and is very open about, you know, as an artist, you're like, I feel this. And she's like, okay, try it like that. And then she's like, if that doesn't work, well, maybe try it like this. And it's just very casual and a very open conversation that is really really great for this show in particular because you're trying things that are very out of your comfort zone on stage in front of people and lucy just makes you feel so okay with it all right good job good job and and from yesterday um once a month in lawrence there's this meeting called the lawrence arts roundtable which lisa coble krings also participates in and so when the play was being discussed, um, Jackie Bogner, who has uh, affiliation with Lawrence Opera Theater and a bunch of our organizations, said, I just need to ask one thing uh, before I encourage people to come. And she said, in the KU production, is there any female nudity? <laughs> <laughs> so how was the choice made? Because I understand there's not here, but there is in some other productions. <laughs> Yeah, there definitely. I've heard many stories where she, I heard one where she just came out like full topless, very opening. I'm like, wow. I mean, good for her that she can do that. But I think as an audience member, I'd be like, oh my God, that's the first thing I'm seeing. We want to tell, I mean, I don't know how it went down, but I just assume we wanted to tell the story in a way that told the story, but wasn't distracting so much to take away from the important lessons. Well, and I think often, especially, there's a particular scene in which two characters are physically intimate. Um, and often that scene... Romantic leads. But I think often that scene is done in a way that engages nudity in a way that doesn't necessarily enhance the story. Uh-huh. And I think when you're making theater, and especially when you're making theater and teaching people best practices, uh-huh. the goal is to tell the story. Uh-huh. And having our undergraduates naked on stage doesn't tell the story, but <laughs> tells people to call the pro. Yeah, thank you for so. that. <laughs> but I hear there's a lot of language in the play, so so we got covered yeah. other ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> and you know, I think at that point in your life too, when you're it's your first time, they're so young. I don't think they even know that like you're quote unquote supposed to have your clothes off. I think they're just like 
experimenting and they're like, I don't really know what's happening, but I think this is it, you know? So they're also in a hayloft and that sounds itchy. Yeah. Do you you want the hay on your, let's be practical here. Hay does not feel not good. good. Anything that's true about German teenagers. (laughs) They do not want that hay. (laughs) That's so true. Didn't Michelle say that they had to basically like pick their major in life from a very young age and run with it? Yeah. Oh my God. I'd be screwed. (laughs) <laughs> what do you think your family would have chosen for you? Oh, uh, teaching. How about you? What would your family have chosen for you? Probably teaching. Yeah. They're very relieved that I'm not a working artist right now. <laughs> what what is their concern? The <laughs> is, it, is it the financial Money. part? Like, but how are you going to... Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Parents sometimes do that. I don't know. Have, having worked my whole adult life, basically, in social service... And never earning much money. That was not something I laid on my kids. It's like, yeah, do what you want to. I don't know. know. Somehow you make it work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When in doubt, I'm always like, I'll just marry rich. It'll be fine. (laughs) I don't know how hard that is, but (laughs) I think my mom's worried that that's my plan. Oh no, we're on the phone. She's like, you know, you're probably gonna have to be the primary breadwinner. Thank you, Mom. Thank you so much. Let me find a spouse and then I'll work again. Yeah. Luckily, luckily, my current boyfriend, whom I love so much, my family does love, he's double major in accounting and finance. And I'm like, if this works out, Jack, you know, you know that you're in charge of that. And he's like, I know, it's okay. I'm like, all right. <laughs> That's great. Why does your family assume that you would partner with somebody who has no earnings potential? <laughs> like, what about? Um, because especially if you're interested in working at a university in the U.S., uh-huh. you go where the jobs are, especially right. when you're early in the market. Yeah. Um, which means that my partner is going to have to have a job that's mobile or be willing to move with me. Yeah. Um, but there are all these jobs that people telecommute for and all kinds of things. That's yeah. so funny that they're well worried about. That. So they're glad that you're going to be earning money to be employed <laughs> by an academic institution. <laughs> well, theoretically. <laughs> no, KU's placement rate is fantastic. For the I'm very grateful for this program. I so shocked if they we'll do okay. KU, too. And so as we're talking about this, and, and, you know, I mean, it's it's the personal side, but it's also, you know, as, as we started out, it's like there are all these life issues that the characters yeah. in this play, Spring Awakening, face. And so it's it's like, yeah, there's real life, and it, and what is in this play is like real life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's exciting. Uh, different, very different context. <laughs> Again, when I think about 1891 Germany. I don't know about 1891 Germany. Yeah. It's just so, I want to get so nerdy here. The evolution of musical theater is so interesting because it started out originally as like just entertainment. People wanted to, you know, go and get away from whatever was happening in life yeah. and like, let's watch a happy thing where we all end up married and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and it's just, <laughs> and as the years went by, you know, it got more into drama and tragedies, which is a nice mix. And then like here we get into like these big personal problems that people don't talk about and even now like dear evan hansen we're dealing with those problems and technology and stuff it's just amazing what the arts can do for us and i cannot just stress how important that is yeah yeah and and musical theater you know you you were saying some things about that Mm -hmm. you know from your background musical theater what what drew you to that particular part because that that is interesting to me that is and partly I say that because I get, I don't know, because we probably because we mostly watch news, <laughs> get bombarded oh. with these ads for horrifying, scary, tense films that are being produced right now. Oh. What's going on with musical theater? Like, how did you, how did you kind of get introduced to it? And, and what, what do you see as being ways to promote that? Because I, I just, I see this need for us to have all these different kinds of things. Man, not just only this bleakness. I mean, I think the conversation is always, oh, Broadway's dying, theater's dying, we're all going to go live inside a television set. That's so true. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, statistically, of the kinds of theater, musical theater has the slowest box office decline. So it's commercially viable, which I think makes a lot of people discount it. But I also think the fact that 
people who aren't theater people will go and look for entertainment and look for something to do with their family makes it a really effective medium for having challenging conversations. Yeah. Um, and I, I also love musical theater because I, I mean, as a performer, I also do straight plays as a director. I enjoy directing straight plays as well, but musicals allow people who enjoy them to kind of take it and perform it themselves. So you have cast recordings and things like that. So that if there's something about that, that connects with you, you can literally perform that identity yourself and engage with that performance of identity and try things out like in an embodied way, in a way that you can't with other theater unless you want to get your friends together in a living room with scripts, which I encourage you to do because it's a great time. And they do it. (laughs) It's more dangerous on the interstate for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And I think, you know, as you're saying that, I I brought back to something that isn't isn't theater, but dance and music performance. I have a friend named Jay Pryor, who's very <laughs> well known for his advocacy as a trans man and, and things, um, he does this coaching and, and um, through individual and, and teaching um, mostly for women. Anyway, there was this piece, I didn't know this show called Dance Moms. Oh. <laughs> I did not know of this thing called Dance Moms. But because of Jay, and Jay's story was chosen, and the LA Gay Men's Choir and this comp- this team of uh, young dancers who were competing through this whatever dance box is, right. they portrayed his story. And it's such a beautiful piece. It is such a beautiful piece yeah. with, you know, and in the, the, Clip. I mean, when I first got to see it, I got to just see the clip. I didn't have to watch the whole episode. And at some point, I must have tried to watch the whole episode. I was like, this is horrible stuff. But that's a different story. But, but, but Jay had the opportunity to interact with the youth dancers, you know, and say, you know, have, are, are you aware of ever meeting a trans person before? And, you know, to talk about them, you know, talk with them about his experiences and to use that to inform their performance, you know, and it's, it's really beautiful. And that reminder of how powerful it is to use a stage to tell story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just that, that particular piece of people, I will send you, there is a, actually, it is on Facebook. Please do. Um, I will send you the link to that to see, because it's, it's really amazing. Yeah. And, it, and it speaks to the power of art, you know, like you are. I mean, you, you talk about it. It's so cool to hear you talk about your <laughs> entree into acting because, you know, as you said, like your, your experience is the experience of some of these roles yeah. that you've had. The, I've just been know. lucky, honestly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it has been. Um, but it's nice because you don't always get that, you know, especially – with university shows, you know, you don't get to really pick what you're auditioning for. Uh-huh. And, you know, luck of the Irish there, you know. But it was just, it's been so good for me to do that. And I was really nervous about this role in particular because of, I'm like, oh, my God, is my family going to come? <laughs> do I want my boyfriend to watch me doing this? <laughs> and they've all been really good about it. And I think at this point, because I had that whole transition with Joe March where that was that was the role I think everyone that came was like oh this is exactly what she's supposed to be doing and so now they're all they're like we get it it's the arts blah 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 I'm like all right that's fine (laughs) like I get if you don't know like or understand how important we think the story is and that's okay because our job is to tell this story Uh and we hope that you can learn and take away something from it. But, you know, at this point, I'm just very happy that, you know, my, my, they're willing to come and uh-huh. watch, uh-huh. especially something with content that's not as comfortable, you know, uh-huh. and that's, you know, that's, that means the world. There, there is this phrase that I love that says that art is to comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. Oh yeah. I love that mm-hmm. because that that's that's what I see. And with your focus on queer feminist art, so what kinds of opportunities will you have to make sure you can do that kind of work in the sense of like you're going to be around KU for two more years, 
will you get, are you a part of the team that chose upcoming season? Um, I'm, I'm not on the season selection committee, okay. but as you discussed with David, part of the process is people submit proposals for shows. Uh -huh. um, and I'm directing a man of no importance next year. So I submitted that proposal and they accepted it. All right. So, and that's a musical about a lot of things, but also within that scope. Um, a closeted gay man who was a bus conductor in Dublin in 1964. And also a lot of women who are also kind of facing societal pressures about the difficulty of loving and the way you feel like you're wired to. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So KU has been very supportive in offering spaces for me to do art I'm interested in and to play in the playgrounds I want to play with. Uh -huh. yeah. From what they're letting me choose, what they're letting me choose in directing class to uh -huh. what I'm doing projects on to letting me direct. Uh -huh. So they've been great about making space for me to do that kind of performance research Wonderful. as well as my written research. And do you teach classes that allow you to say specialize? Like, do you have a, an opportunity to say we're going to be looking this, looking at this through the lens of? queer feminist, you know, do you, is, I don't know how specialized the classes are that you teach. Sure. Um, our last year, we have an opportunity to pitch a class. Uh -huh. So I'm, I'm hoping to pitch a queer and LGBT theater class. Uh -huh. And that will depend on lots of factors. Um, but I, we do have wiggle room within the classes we teach that are kind of gen ed courses. So especially within my acting one class, um, I have a gender performance for the after workshop we do that is kind of derived from Jill Dolan and Stacey Wolf's workshop. I'm conscious of making sure to use like neutral pronouns for hypothetical partners uh -huh. and assign queer scenes in class. Uh -huh. And so for me, it's really, really important that queer stories and women's stories aren't set aside as an exception, uh -huh. um, but are just kind of part of the fabric of how life works. Uh -huh. So I try to engage that in my pedagogy. Yeah. How do you personally feel as a director? How do you feel about using actors and i'm using actors do you use actors as non-gender I mean, yes that's yeah. what i was assuming okay so actors that aren't the traditional um appearance of those roles you know um and i i know i'm trying to think what what the play the art center has either has recently done or is doing a performance where they discarded the traditional this is what, you know, this is supposed to be a white woman or, you know, whatever. I asked the question in part because I have a friend who studied in New York um, at Tisch, and she is an, an African-American trans woman. And around here, it is not easy for her to get parts, even though she has this amazing experience yeah. and ability. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm wondering how, I realize that's, it's challenging to get accepted as a young director to say, I want to do this. So I don't know whether you've had the opportunity, but what do you think about that, of casting people differently than people expect? Um, I actually, speaking of KU and how they're fabulous, um, I took our directing class last year. And uh -huh. one of our first assignments is to do a scene from the Glass Menagerie. And I played with Queering the Glass Menagerie and the professor was very open to letting me play with that. Um, part of what I'm interested in is figuring out how to engage things like gender conscious and race conscious casting uh -huh. ethically in a way that's dramaturgically supported. Uh -huh. um, I think it's, obviously I think best practices are to just actually tell people stories as opposed to trying to shoehorn them into stories that erase them, but we have all of these plays that we already have and people we'd like to cast in them. Uh -huh. So I think it's important to be conscious of what you're doing when you cast people in non-traditional roles uh -huh. and not putting them in a situation that reinscribes problematic narratives unintentionally. But I also see absolutely no reason that that businesswoman who this story is about couldn't be a trans businesswoman mm -hmm. or so I, I think it's just about having cultural fluency and mm -hmm. being aware of all the implications of what you're doing when you cast someone, mm -hmm. regardless of who they are. If I cast a pretty conventionally attractive blonde cis woman in a role, I'm saying something mm -hmm. just as I am if I cast anybody else. So I think 
as directors, it's important for us to be conscious of what we're saying with casting choices. Mm -hmm. So the way I hear that is there would be times when just for the sake of doing it, it wouldn't be right. Well, for example, um, were I to direct a production of Little Shop of Horrors, um, which features a strong ensemble of women who are configured as kind of homeless women, if I were to cast a trans woman of color in one of those roles, that would speak to some really problematic cultural narratives we have about trans people. Uh-huh. And I may be trying to be inclusive, but I'm being irresponsible. Mm-hmm. So if I'm casting a trans woman as a businesswoman, there are lots of trans women who are businesswomen, yeah. uh-huh. but it's pushing against cultural narratives. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a really complicated question yeah, because you obviously yeah, yeah. also don't want to get stuck in respectability politics and saying that people who live on the street aren't less worthy. But I think yeah. when we only have one narrative that we tell over and over and over and over, we want to be conscious of repeating that narrative in a way that's not nuanced. Yeah. One of the things I've heard from my friend who I mentioned is sometimes her experience is, well, you know, our audience wouldn't feel comfortable. And I'm like, that is not a reason <laughs> oh, not Lord. to do something. I, I think that's the exact reason to do something. Exactly. I think lots of people think they don't know, especially trans people. And spoiler alert, you don't, you definitely do. If you don't, it's because they don't trust you. <laughs> um, just like people think they don't know queer people. Yeah. But I think part of why theater works is because it's a space to experience empathy, but at enough of a remove uh-huh. that you feel like, yeah. It's not about your life. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if ever there was a reason, it's because the audience is going to think it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you have an audience, I love, that. Comfortable I love your enthusiasm for that because that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> and maybe, maybe it's freer for you know, this generation than, than somebody who's been doing Midwest community theater for 40 years or whatever already. Yeah. Maybe that, that you know, art administrator thinks, no, our audience couldn't handle it. And my thought is, yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. So that's exciting. I mean, especially for places like this. That yeah, yeah. Are... I mean, Lawrence is a very... Oh, Lawrence is its own country. But, there, Lawrence, <laughs> is very, but there, Lawrence is very white. Yes. You know, it's, that's, there's that issue. We don't have, like, when you look at the population yeah. breakdowns, you know, it's shocking. And, and, and honestly, as somebody who lives close to downtown and loves the old buildings and mm-hmm. being part of the old town. I'm very aware that, like I, I go out to Haskell Innovations University often, which is a separate issue, but I don't see a lot of people that are visibly native or visibly people of color when I'm doing different things, you know? And and as you know, friends of mine have said, you know, and if, and if I go into a business and the people who work there are all white, that says something to me, mm-hmm. you know? So we, yeah. we need, even in Lawrence, we need to be pushed. And so I think that's an exciting opportunity. And, and definitely, like you, it's a challenge. I'd love to see people embracing, yeah, we're going to do this. <laughs> yeah. So how many, how many more plays will you get to do while you're in Lawrence? What a good question you have. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely directing in the fall. Uh-huh. And then I will be auditioning for things and hopefully doing some stage reading projects. I'm acting in... Kansas City and an unconventional evening of Tennessee Williams with the KC Public Theater. What is that? On May 6th. Awesome. So I want to go to that. You have that power. Aha! <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll get to play. <laughs> so you're on stage sometimes too. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. You yeah. like that? <gasps> I do. We were on stage together in our last show. Mm-hmm. All right. It's very fun. Sorry, that wasn't really important. <laughs> I just got excited. Thank you. (laughs) See, this is why I think I'm such a good actor. Lucy's like, great instincts. I'm like, yeah, they were so good, right? (laughs) Well, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow with that because I host an event every year on World Suicide Prevention Day called Words Save Lives, and the event is poetry and stories and music and drag, 
and comedy. And so if either of you would like oh, to do performance I would piece, love to. I mean, the, the idea of getting more voices on, on the stage, and, and it's always my, my goal to have diversity in, like, like I said, you know, from comedy to some things that are really intense. Everybody who does that event does it because of their passion for, I want to be on that side of encouraging people to, with hope, you yeah. know? And so it's it's a very, very cool evening. Um, always on World Suicide Prevention Day, which is September 10th, which that's I think so is cool. a Monday oh, this year. Yeah. I'm tearing up at the time of that. Oh, that's beautiful. That's Last year, um, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, at Thursdays at the Jazz House, Miss Amanda Love um, has these drag shows and more, this just review, and Ms. Amanda Love was our last act, and it was like, this is so perfect. Oh. I love her. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. we, we have one of the our cast members, um, he is writing, directing, and starring in his own drag show cool. at KU. Very mm -hmm. cool. So we have been talking, like I said, it's the personal, and it brings us back to this performance that's coming up. So for those people who have been listening and like, who are we talking to? What are we talking about? <laughs> we are talking with two people who are involved with the University Theater Performance of Spring Awakening that is coming up on the weekends of April 20th and April 27th. So you go online to University Theater Spring Awakening. You will find it. You can buy the tickets. You can read a little bit about it, see more information about who's involved. And the two people here are Lucy Kuski, who is here as the associate director of the play, and Sarah Van Swall, who is in the role of the leading female character about this cool play. Yeah. It's a very cool play. So tell people again a little bit more about this play. Those people were like, wait a minute, I forgot because we had so much fun talking about all the <laughs> oh, personal stuff. What is, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to be talking about a play. Your turn. Spring Awakening <laughs> is... Um, it's a story about young people and trying to figure out who they are and the ways in which when you don't give them the tools to do that, they find their own tools. And sometimes <laughs> those tools aren't great. They do not end well. With rock music. That is so, so perfect. Mm -hmm. With dance and music included. And that's what makes it fun. <laughs> so is everybody who's part of this as excited about it as you are? I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's something, I mean, as a cast member, we talk. <laughs> we like each other. And, and it's been very interesting because it's for this show, I think, you know, you always bond with your cast. And in this show, it's bonding in a different way because of what we're what we have to do. And we're very excited to go on stage and as actors, you know, challenge ourselves in these roles that, you know, we may not do. We have, you know, straight boys playing gay boys. We've got, you know, <laughs> sexual <laughs> things that I wouldn't have done, you know, early in my life, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but now I'm good. <laughs> it's just, we're all very excited to tell a story that we feel is very important and relatable uh -huh. to, to right now. Uh -huh. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, the cast has been incredibly generous with offering their personal experiences to the play. Uh -huh. So they're special. Were, were you, as cast members who are there on the stage, were some of you sort of surprised when you really started doing this? Like, I'm really going to do that on stage. <laughs> I'm going to say that on stage. Yeah, I mean, I think still, and we make fun of it all the time. Like, at this point, you know you're going to do it, but, you know, there's still a, a moment of, like, oh, my gosh, I'm doing this right now. <laughs> but, you know, as an actor, you choose to accept those things, and you roll with it, and you, you want to do your best, and you want to tell the story the best way it can be. Uh -huh. So, you know... When, like, Matt and Spencer are two of my best friends, um, and they have uh, an intimacy scene together, and, you know, when they come off, I'm like, how's kissing the dude, you know? It's just like, and but they're, they're like, everyone is so into their role and into their character that it's so normal as it should be, because that's what the story is. It's about being yourself. Uh -huh. And it's nice that, you know, we've found people that want to do justice to that. Mm -hmm. 
And we've had directors and choreographers that have made it very comfortable for us. Yeah, we also engaged an intimacy choreographer for the show. So anything like that on stage is all consent based mm -hmm. and actor driven. Yeah. And the directing and choreography team has been very conscious of making it a story that's accessible and mm -hmm. resonant with what our cast is comfortable with. Right. That's a really interesting dynamic. I, you know, I hadn't been thinking about that, but you know, based on people's personal experiences, even though they may think, yeah, I can do this, it may be really challenging for some. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice though, because every step of the way, you know, during it, like if I have to, you know, kiss or move, they're like, is this okay? Do you feel okay? Is this comfortable for you? If not, change it. You know, they're so wonderful in that respect because I was nervous about it, especially um, just because, you know, of how I've grown up and <laughs> my mom is so wonderful and she's like, I, I come to every show. And she does. She comes to every show that I have every night. Oh, wow. Oh, every night. I'm not saying every show. I'm like, like every show. Every performance. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was like, Mom, maybe you don't want to. But she's like, no, you go up there and you do your best. You know, she's like <laughs> so good about it. And I'm like, okay, Mom, I'll go kiss a boy the best I can. Roll around in a hayloft the best I can. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's been good. It's a good <laughs> That is so funny. Yeah. Because on the, from the different perspective, one of my sons, as soon as he finished high school, one of the things he started doing publicly was performing stand-up. Wow. And so, but he said, like, I don't really want you guys coming. <laughs> you, you know, I'll share a video now and then, but I don't, I don't really want to be on stage and know that you're the audience. <laughs> yes. And I had that, I had that conversation too. And especially at the beginning when I was like, I'm not really sure what it's going to be like. We haven't like done that query feed. We haven't really said what's happening. I was like, I don't know if you're going to be okay watching it. And she was just like, no, like I am so proud of you and what you're doing. Awesome. I'm coming to every night and <laughs> I don't want you to feel weird or embarrassed because you are, I, she's, she's like, you are the best. And so I'm always like, I'm the best. <laughs> it's my whole life. I like paint a, purple picture and she's like this is the best purple picture I've ever seen I'm like yeah so if you're wondering where my confidence comes from it's solely from my mother <laughs> but so she's just so she was like no if you go up on stage I want you to give it your all and I don't want you to think that we're not supporting you because we are and we know how important it is for you to tell stories <laughs> Lucy, stop. <laughs> it, yeah I have a, a wonderful wonderful <laughs> If only all families could be that supportive. So true. This would be a much happier world. Right. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. I won't put you on the spot, but I'm thinking maybe some of your experiences have been different. <laughs> I I mean, my, my family is lovely, yes. but I also, as somebody who's worked with a lot of young people and yeah. as somebody who, yeah. in a different way, works with undergrads now. Yeah. And, Lots of them are my friends, but also I'm in a mentoring relationship yeah. with some of them. Um, there are lots of families who aren't. And right. as, as a designated adult, you're adult for lots yeah. of people who are looking for adults to yeah. love them. Yeah. It yeah. makes me really happy when I hear about adults yes. that are doing it well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it, and it didn't always start out that way, not in a bad way. I think they were just worried about life and career and money yeah. and all that. And yeah. I remember... <laughs> throwing kind of a fit and I'm 20 years old and I'm like I shouldn't be throwing a fit but I have so many feelings right now <laughs> and I'm like crying and my grandpa my mom's father is there and he is you know lawyer uh was in the military for years and years he's very Bostonian like just kind of says it you know and he's very practical and I'm sobbing about it to my mom and she's thinking her dad's going to back her up. And she, and she's like, well, yeah, dad, like, what do you think? And he just goes, I think she should do it. And she goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, when I was in college, you said you had to get this degree to do this and this. And he was like, yeah, but you weren't talented. And like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. Right, yeah. Well, so, folks, you need to go experience the very talented. No, Sarah I didn't mean that. It's just like it was very funny for Grandpa to yeah, say that. Sarah Ventura <laughs> and Lucy Kesky and this performance. Oh, 
spring awakening, which is clearly going to be wonderful to experience with people having the joy of being part of the production, people having joy being in the audience. Thinking about this fact that this was a play from 1891 Germany yeah. and the relevance to 2018 Midwest or whatever America, you know, it's very powerful. Kudos to the University Theater for the way this the theater department works together to bring together plays that are both entertaining and really getting us thinking. So, you know, I want to tell people as we're wrapping up, it's Spring Awakening. It's in the Crafton Prior Theater of Murphy Hall at the University of Kansas. When you go online to University Theater uh, KU, you can find the Spring Awakening link and on the page that has the cast and basic information, you'll be able to hit the ticket buttons for the performance times that work for you and go enjoy, experience this. It's a great thing that we have these opportunities. Thank you, Lucy. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. This is fun. Yeah. And thanks to Daniel Smith, who produces this show. And thank you, listeners. We know you enjoyed it. And I'll be happy to have you listen to more times. Talk with me. And so long. <laughs>